listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Would uh, please stand with me for the reading of Scripture. Today's Scripture is, um, as we're starting a new series, which is super exciting, um, 1 Corinthians. We're reading uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, brother. Amen. Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. You guys excited for 2023? I'm excited for 2023. It's always unknowing. After 2020, I was also excited for 2020 to start. And we all know what happened then. So every year I'm like, okay, I think I'm excited. I hope I'm excited. I hope I'm not too excited. And then it all crashes down. So... I am relatively excited for 2023. Um, my name is Samir. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you. My name, uh, my name is Samir. I am the pastor here at Story City Church in Granada Hills. We are a family of churches. So we have two locations, one in Burbank, one here in Granada Hills, and we feel God calling us to plant more churches. So we are family churches and we organize our way of doing things because we desire to see more of that happen throughout the San Fernando Valley and beyond. And we really believe God is calling us to do that. We're excited because the new year not only starts a new year, but also starts a new series. And so we're excited about this new series. Uh, But before we jump into the new series, I actually want to pray. We're a church that believes in unceasing prayer. And I want to take even a little longer of a moment to pray for 2023. I want to pray for us as individuals. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for our community. Uh, And we just believe God moves in prayer. And throughout all our core phase, we, we did a lot of praying. And we believe a lot of what's happening now is because of the prayer that we committed to and we're continuing to commit to. And so if you can, will you bow your heads with me um, and pray with me in agreement with what the Lord is doing for us and in us and through us here in Granada Hills. God, we are coming before you in need, Lord. In need because we know that we can't do this. 2023 is among us. Um, We are excited, but also nervous because we know what life can bring. God, we don't want to be nervous because of our own doing, but we want to be confident because you are our God, because you are going before us. You are with us, God. And so we, as a people, we come before you and asking you, Lord, will you move amongst us? Will you bring 
restoration, revelation, redemption. God, will you move amongst us? Will you bring renewal, revitalization, your spirit, your power, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? God, we, we as individuals ask you to move in us, to transform us from the inside out as we talk about commitments, resolutions, new things we want to do. God, more than any of that, we say, God, will you transform us? Will you make us new from the inside out? Will you help us live lives of health, healthy in your standards, healthy in your eyes? And God, ultimately, we know you want what's best for us. God, we commit to that. God, and as a church, we ask, Lord, will you move, God? Will you bring revival? Will you bring revival? God, we don't ask that flippantly. We don't ask that just because every other church says that. God, we ask that because we believe that you're a God who moves, who transforms, who empowers, and is alive and well today. And there's a need. There's a need and a desperation in our community, in this city, in this state, in this country. God, we need you, Lord. Will you come? Will you move? And God, will you help us get out the way? Will you help us align our hearts, align our thoughts, align our ways with yours? God, we commit. God, as we move this year and we take every step forward, God, we commit to aligning our steps and our ways to yours, Jesus. God, and we even ask you, Lord, to convict us, to discipline us when we're out of line. I know that's a hard thing to ask because it's scary. But God, we know that your way is way better than our way. God, and if we try to go our way, the outcome and the, and the hardship of that is way greater than the little discipline you're willing to give us. And so we ask for it because we know it's for our good. So will you move, Lord? We commit to you. We surrender to you. And we ask you to transform us as a people, to be closer to you, to be near to you, to be closer and nearer to one another as your people. And will you inspire us to be so in love with your son, Jesus, that the world will know that we are your people by the way we love one another. We love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for praying with me. I just, I just am so excited for what God's going to do this year um, because he's a, he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. So here at Story City Church, we have a mission statement that we really believe in, um, and we believe it's aligned with what God desires for us as a people. Our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and others. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and others. The key word here for our series the next 20 weeks is healthy. Healthy. 
Our new series is entitled Aligning with God's Heart for Healthy Living through the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter of 1 Corinthians that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. We desire to bring biblical and practical life lessons of health that align us with God's heart. That's what we hope to see happen in these next 20 weeks and, and on. Hope we just build that foundation. I don't know if you've heard this statement before, um, but this idea or this statement that a lot of people say that practice makes perfect. Have you guys heard that one before? That's, I hate that statement. I don't know if you, as a football coach, I hate it because the reality is, is that practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. I don't care how often you go on the field and you run around in circles. If you just run around doing nothing every single day and say, I'm practicing, you ain't going to be ready for Friday or Saturday or whenever you're playing. You're not going to be ready because just practicing is not what makes perfect. And I don't use the term perfect. I just use it for this illustration of that context. Of course, we're not going to be perfect, but our practice matters. What we practice matters. The practices that we have on a daily basis affect the outcome of our life. Some examples of unhealthy practices in different various settings are clear in the outcome, right? Like self-care, right? If we're not eating well, if we're eating bad, if we're, if we're not exercising, if we're not practicing rest and, and doing life that way, our bodies are going to be affected in an unhealthy way. We're practicing something, but if it's unhealthy practice, the outcome is unhealthy. Or in another setting, another environment like community, or church, or a team environment, unhealthy practices can be things like gossip, lack of communication, not talking together, being self-seeking, and not caring for the greater good. Those types of practices, those are all practices, can be harmful in a setting of a community or a team. How about family? In a family dynamic, there's things that can be unhealthy in practicing that create bad outcomes. Things like toxic manipulation, like trying to make people do things, your family members do things for your own good. Abusive behavior, abandonment, these things are harmful in a community or in a family setting. These are all practices. In a culture, in a society, things we've experienced a lot in the last few years, polarization, which is just fighting on both sides, one way or the other. Always wanting to be right, above the unity of the people is toxic and hurtful and harmful or unhealthy power struggles and control are all unhealthy practices. And we see here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing some of these unhealthy practices in the Corinthian church. And he's talking to them and he's, and he's reaching out to them and he's, and he's writing this because the Corinthian church is actually writing to them saying, we need help. Help us out. So a quick context of the Corinthian church. In Corinth at this time, it's a metropolitan city, which means like there's ports and, and there's surrounding areas that everyone wants to come to uh, because there's a lot of good 
trading and a lot of good stuff happening. A lot of people live there. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, influence in that region because of Corinth. It's a centerpiece of that community, of that area. It's, it's, it's in lots of ways, it's not very different than L.A., right? There's, there's just a mixture of people. There's a mixture of things. There's a lot of trade, a lot of money being made in that area. Um, and there's influence happening. And, and in 34 AD, Paul, the apostle, goes into Corinth. We read it in Acts. You can read it if you want to read it. You can see his experience. Going into Corinth, because he's called to the people of, of the Greek people, right? He goes in, and he goes on an 18-month journey in Corinth. He's preaching the gospel. He's sharing and talking about Jesus. You can imagine what that experience is like, this you know, back and forth going on because in that time there was a lot of pagan worship, a lot of pagan temples and practices that were happening. And so as he's preaching, he's at the same time, as people are coming to faith, he's gathering them. He's, he's raising them up. He's, he's creating a core team, right? And, and, and at the end of the 18th month, he, you know, he launches out the church and sends them out and then he says, all right, I'm out. And then he goes somewhere else to do the same thing again. This is a courageous man. It's a lot of work, right? And then he goes, he installs elders and pastors, and then he leaves into another city. And here we see in, in these letters, the Corinthian people are, you can imagine, right, 18 months, all they've been exposed to of faith, and now they're, we're installed leaders, that's not Paul now, and they're told to now live a life that honors God. And you can imagine the influence that's around them and the impact that's making on them as a people. And now they're trying to figure out, how do we do this? How is this supposed to look? This is hard. A lot of what Paul addresses in these letters are not far off from what a lot of churches today even struggle with. Because you got Judaizers, those that are really legalistic law abiders of the Old Testament, and, and they believe in Jesus, but they're saying a lot of what we know in the Old Testament must happen now. And then you have the other side of the, the people that are living uh, Greek pagan lifestyles are now committed to Jesus, and now they're all coming together in one pile, and they're saying, we all must live in line with what God says, and they're trying to figure that out, and then all of what we see begins to happen. And so Paul here is writing to this people and addressing a lot of these things. So there's actually around five letters that they say were written back and forth amongst the Corinthian church and Paul, but we only have two that we have now. Um, the reason why we, they assume that there's others is because as, as Paul is addressing the Corinthian people, he's writing, well, as, as we read through it, you'll notice, you can see that he's saying, and as far as, and then he'll make a statement, which means that they told him we have questions about this, right? And so he's addressing them because there was something written to him that he's responding to. So that's a little of the connection and, and, and the context. See, Paul is writing to give them now healthy steps and practices and foundations to live as a healthy church and a healthy people. So I don't know about you, but I really want to know what he said because I think it will influence us as well and help us as a young church plant as well. 
And so I want us to read Paul's intro to this letter so that we can set a foundation for these next 20 weeks as we dive into this series together in 1 Corinthians. Um, I want to read it together and really hopefully be able to give a good snapshot of what we're going to see and what we're going to go into. Are you guys excited? I'm excited about this series. I get excited about new series because... um, It really draws us to, like, how do we read the Bible together? How do we walk in God's word together? And going through a whole book is something that we really believe in um, because it really allows us to address the hard things. Uh, We're actually going to talk through some difficult topics, and we're going to say, how does God view this? How do we walk in that? How do we walk under his leading in this? So 1 Corinthians 1 one through nine. Let's read it again together, um, and then we'll dive into some what the big idea Paul is trying to give us here. First Corinthians one, one through nine says, Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord both their Lord and ours. Can you just start noticing how many times he says, Lord Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, he does it a lot. Verse three, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Always, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and in all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. I love verse 7. So that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we... I'm sorry, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in his introduction, as you write a letter, right, you write an intro, this is his introduction to the Corinthian people, to the Corinthian church. In the introduction, nine verses, we see him, Paul, state the name and the lordship of Jesus Christ ten times in nine verses. This is a big deal. The literary understanding of context, you have to understand, when people repeat something, he's saying, listen, This is important. And he's not just mentioning Jesus. He's saying the lordship, the lord, the lord, the lordship, lord. He's mentioning that over and over again. And so our big idea today is that a healthy life is an abundant life in Christ. A healthy life is an abundant life in Christ. And if you guys don't have a journal yet, please get one. It's great space to write and uh, just notes and stuff like that. The lordship of Jesus is the foundation for healthy living. The lordship of Jesus is the foundation for healthy living. We can say that to the moon. And I hope that in this statement, not, it's not just being said, but throughout our series, we're actually understanding what does that even mean? What does that look like? How do we live in that as a people and as an individual? Because billions of people, trillions of people that are in the world now and those that all went before us 
have always desired to grasp this understanding. How do I live a life that is healthy, that is abundant, that is vibrant? And Paul and Jesus himself make it pretty clear and simple. Not easy, but clear and simple. Because Jesus himself, in John chapter 10, mentions this a little bit. In John 10, John 10, 7 through 10, he says this. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I'm the one you enter through, Jesus is saying. That all those who came before me are thieves and are robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. He says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture, find peace, find rest, find comfort. That's what that means. Verse 10. A thief, which were those that came before him, have come only to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. In abundance. What does that mean, in abundance? How has God called us to live? Jesus is saying, come follow me, I will show you how to live. I will show you, and it's not just a life that you'll regret, it's a life that will be full. Not easy, but full of his presence, of his ways. So how then is a healthy life, an abundant life in Christ? The first way is that life in Christ is abundant in knowing how to live. Sounds pretty vague. <laughs> life in Christ is abundant in knowing how to live. How do we do that? What does that mean? He makes it pretty clear. The first way is that we live in God's word. His teaching and life of Jesus is clear evidence of how then we should live. He makes it evident. This is good news of hope for all of us. You guys, I don't know if you've thought about this, but if you believe that God created all the universe and, and the details and the nuances of every aspect of creation, putting a book together is probably pretty easy for him. He did. And not for the sake of just because, but he did it for the sake of his glory and so that he can connect and engage with us. Like, hey, here is the plan. Here is my love story to you. Here is the plan for humanity and here is the playbook for living. It's all inclusive. This is my word to you. And he encompassed it, wrapped it all up in the person of Jesus and said, not only am I giving you the physical word of God, the, the writings, but I'm bringing you my own son. And not only am I bringing you my own son, there's practical ways that he lived and that I've written for you to live so that you can live an abundant life. We see throughout all of scripture, there's, there's understanding and things that we can learn from practically, things like conflict resolution. How do we do that well? We struggle to figure that out. 
but it's there in scripture. Mourning and suffering, it's throughout the scriptures. Marriage, parenting, social injustice, self-care, money. I can go on and on. All of these things are in scripture, informing us and aligning us with who God is and how to live. And not only did he give us his word, he also empowers us with his spirit. Jesus ascended to heaven and sent his spirit so that we can live a life empowered to live in abundance in Christ, his way, the way he's called us to live, right? His wisdom. He's promised to give us his wisdom. He's promised to give us his leading, his lordship, his guidance, right? Proverbs 2, 6 through 10 says that for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will, you will delight in. Guys, he gives wisdom. He gives wisdom. So he gives us his word. He gives us an empowerment of his spirit for wisdom and understanding. And he gives us community in the body of Christ. Life is not meant to be done alone. Living in community with his church is a huge aspect of what it means to live in abundance in Christ. I know in our society, it's easy to be like, I can figure life out. I got this. It's easy. Follow my heart. And when it comes to the point where your heart is telling you things that you shouldn't do and the outcome of your heart caused chaos in your community, what do you do then? Life in community is essential. We're not meant to do life alone. Guys, this is not just what God's word says. There's scientific evidence and proof that life in community is essential for your well-being. I read an article this week by a scientific research that said this. And this is not our base for why we believe this, but this is just more proof that it's true. Not only, this is what it said in the article, not only are we at the highest recorded rate of living alone across the entire century, it's a big deal, this is today, like this is now, but we're at the highest recorded rates ever on the planet here in the U.S. Said uh, Tim Smith, who's the co-author of this study. He said, with loneliness on the rise, we are predicting a possible loneliness epidemic in the future. The study analyzed data from a variety of health studies. Altogether, the sample in included more than three million participants from studies that included data for loneliness, social, social isolation, and living alone. The lack of social connections presents an added risk, and the existence of relationships provides a positive health effect. This is what they concluded. Previous research puts the, high, the heightened risk of mortality, that means you have more chance of dying, 
from loneliness in the same category as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic. Just by being lonely and not having a community, science says it's just like smoking 15 cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic, health-wise, for our well-being. This new study suggests that not only is the risk for mortality in the same category as these well-known risks that we just read, it is also surpasses the health risk associated with obesity, like heart, heart issues and issues that contain that. In essence, the study is saying the more positive psychology and community we have in our world, the better we're able to function, not just emotionally, but physically. What I love about this, like science continues to prove the evidence of God, in my opinion. That God had written this long, long time ago already. We didn't need the science, scientific evidence to prove this to us because God already told us that community is essential for our well-being. That our world continues, our, our country, our people, and our communities continue to run after purpose, to run after health and well-being, but yet run away from community, but yet run away from the church. And not realizing that in the body of Christ is where abundance of life happens. Through Christ. Scripture clearly shows us the vitality and the importance of doing life in a church community. It's not just words. It's not just like we're trying to build this up because we want to have a lot of people. No. This is a matter of life and death for our community. Physically and spiritually. This is why missional groups are crucial to who we are. That we're not just doing community groups because that's what every other church does. That's not why. We're doing it because it's for our well-being. It's for our health. It's for the thriving of every single one of you, and we care about that. We desire for your well-being. We desire for our well-being. We want to see God thrive through us so that we thrive in him and that he be glorified in our community. And that's what mission groups are for. That's why we have them and that's why we're excited to launch them very soon. Living in community is essential to our well-being, to our abundant life in Christ. And living in community, as we read in the, in the intro that Paul said, he also mentioned something that happens in the community of Corinth that's essential to us as well. And this is the second way that we live an abundant life. He says, life in Christ is abundant in spiritual gifts as well. In the midst of our community, there's gifts that God gives us. The first and greatest gift is himself. He gives us himself, but as he gives us himself, he says, here, there's gifts that I want to give you. They're not for yours to keep. They're not for your selfish gain. They're first and foremost for my glory, and second, for the betterment of those around you. This is what spiritual gifts are for. For God's glory, and for the betterment of those around you. And overall, as everyone begins to love and care for each other within the spiritual gifts, guess what happens? It's for your betterment as well too that you begin to become and grow in abundance in Christ because of the gifts that are shared amongst God's people. 
Paul, I don't know if you know, if you've read 1 Corinthians, he talks about this later on in more detail, which we'll get to. But spiritual gifts are a big deal in our community. Just want to list a couple that we see throughout scripture. This is not an exhaustive list. That means that this is not the only amount of gifts that there are amongst us. But these are just a few that maybe as I read them, you're like, oh, I think I, think I have that. Or, or I know someone that walks in that and lives in that. These are some. Serving, helps, exhortation, encouragement, giving, generosity, leadership, mercy, empathy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, distinguishing between spirits, in other words, discernment, administration, apostleship, prophecy, teaching, evangelism, shepherding. I know there's a lot there, like, oh, what does that one mean? What is this? Well, we'll get to those. Stay with us. If I go through all of them right now, it'll be a couple hours long. But these are huge. These are important. That amongst us, there are gifts that are shared to love and bring God glory, but also to love and lift one another up. Every single one of us that are committed and are living in the Lordship of Jesus possess gifts that he's given us. What a great joy that is. And what I want to share with us in this clarity of of what Paul is saying is let's not allow examples of unhealthy practices hinder us from fully engaging in spiritual gifts. Let's not allow unhealthy practices hinder us as a people from fully engaging in spiritual gifts. Because clearly, like we said, there is unhealthy practices in all areas of life, and I'm sure, I'm guessing, it's a wild guess, that all of us have experienced these unhealthy practices in some area or another. Not saying that us as a church, we're going to get it right. We're going to do it perfectly. But you know, we're going th- to we're gonna, we're gonna strive towards what God is saying through his word on how to walk in health. And in spiritual gifts is one of those big areas, too. So Paul addresses this later that we'll dive deeper into, but as you're just being encouraged today, as you're growing in abundance and understanding of how to live a life in Christ, through his word, through his spirit empowering us, through God's people, through the gifts that he's given us, that's huge. And the third one is the life in Christ is abundant this is the most important, in my opinion, in God's strength and faithfulness. He says that in the intro. In God's strength and faithfulness, are we living in abundance? What does that mean? I'm sure many of us have a story of how God has shown up in faithfulness and in strength and that brought you through a hard season, that brought you through a difficult time. I remember in February of 2020, my daughter, Anaya, our oldest, um, she got really sick. She came down with double pneumonia and her lungs were failing pretty quickly. She was in the ICU for 14 days and she was four years old. And this was, I mean, unquestionably the hardest time 
of our life, my life as a family, and we feared the worst. We were afraid. We were scared. We didn't know what, what was going to happen. We didn't know what to do. And, and soon after, the doctors, they, you know, she got to a point where her body was responding to the medicine and she got better, but her lungs was, were still shot. They were still unhealthy, but she was able to come home. So in her arrival coming home, um, doctors were like, hey, just make sure she's not around anyone that's sick. Make sure she's good, because if she gets sick again, it can get really, really bad. So we're like, okay, cool. And if, you, if you're just thinking about the timeline in your mind, when she got home 14 days after uh, her being in the ICU, just about three or four days later, COVID just went crazy. You know, the shutdown, everything's getting shut down, everyone stop, everyone, you know, don't do anything, this is going to kill you, all of that. And we were just freaking out as a family. Oh my goodness, this can take our daughter out. It was a hard time. Our family was hurting and we were afraid. And our church was hurting. We had planted a church in North Hills at the end of 2019, which we felt God leading us to do. And then this happened and we were confused. We were scared. Our church plant was, was in shambles, not because of anything we had done, but because of just the scenario. Our people began to lose their jobs and, and they scattered and, and it was just hard. I felt like my identity and my purpose was hurting. Like I didn't know what it was. Everything felt like it was crashing down. It was a hard season. But God, in the middle of our, of our sadness, of our anger, of our frustration, of our confusion, God just gave us the next step. He just, all right, just be faithful in this moment. All right, I'm going to be with you. I know it's hard and it hurts, but I'm going to give you this person to encourage you for that next step. He kept just walking with us in the midst of all of that moment and by moment, by moment, by his strength and by his faithfulness. It was even hard to have hope in those moments. I don't know if you've been there. But he kept walking with us in strength, his strength. And in the matter of about a little over two years, God is doing some amazing things amongst us. This faithfulness is beyond me. When we had no hope, when we weren't sure what to do, he was faithful and he continues to be faithful. He is strong and he continues to strengthen. All we did was say, God, we surrender. We don't know what to do. Will you lead us? Will you help us? Will you walk with us? Would you be with us? Because we don't feel like walking. We don't feel like getting up. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you have 
or if you are in that season now, or if you've just come from that season, or if you're about to go into that season, not that we wish that upon you, but the reality is, is that in the midst of that season, God's strength and God's faithfulness sees us through. He sees us through. See, a huge part of healthy living is not the ignorant or naive perspective that everything will always be great if we just do the right thing. That if you just do the right thing, everything's gonna be awesome. If you just get baptized and commit yourself to Jesus, everything's gonna be great. That's a lie. It gets hard. This life is hard. Sin is here and now, and it sucks. And in the pain should cause us to desire Jesus to return that much more. And the desire for us to tell people about Jesus, because guys, there's a hope. Guess what? It sucks. It hurts. It's painful. I know. I've been there. But in his strength and in his faithfulness, he sees us through. And guess what? He's coming back to restore it all. What great joy that is that we live in. What greater news is there out there? I don't know about you, man. I've, I've sought it. I've heard. I've asked my friends, like, tell me what better news you got. Because in the hardest times, like, you got nothing for me. But I got God. And by his strength, by his commitment, not because the Bible says, although that's what happens and that's what it says, but because he's proven it over and over and over and he says it and he's promised and he's going to and he's going to and he's going to and he will and he has and he will continue to. What great joy we have in the abundant life we have in Christ. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian people. He's like, you guys, it's, it's chaotic. It's, 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 it doesn't seem good. There's hardship going on. But guess what? I'm going to let you know that there's a foundation and an abundant life you have in Christ. I'm not just saying words. This is fact. And I'm going to show you how and what that looks like. Be in your word. Is faithful. He's going to teach us and lead us. The power, empowerment of God's Spirit is going to give us wisdom and understanding. Being in community when we don't know what to do or when we're lost or we're lonely or we're confused. Guess what? Who's there? Like, who was there for us when we were not sure what was going on? Man, we had food lined up for three weeks and we didn't know where it was coming from because our people were committed to love us even in the midst of hardship. Our community kept us alive in lots of ways through God and what he said and what he's doing. Through the gifts of God's people, through the gifts of God's people who are encouraging and uplifting us, through your gifts, continue to encourage one another and love one another for the sake of God's glory and for your well-being and for our well-being. What good news is that? And that by his strength and by his faithfulness, no matter what life comes your way, he continues to be faithful. He continues to move. He continues to lead us 
and that we will continue to be his people and he will continue to rise us up and he will continue to be glorified and he will continue to rejoice with us as more people come to know him, as more people come to faith in him, as more people begin to recognize the abundant life we have in Christ and we continue to rejoice and eat together and love together and baptize one another and rejoice in missional groups and serve our communities and care for our people and learn through God's word and continue to pray for one another and encourage one another because guys this life is tough it's hard but guess what he is greater and he is stronger and he is with us what good news is that there is no greater news no greater news no matter how hard it is no matter where we are whether we're on the mountaintop rejoicing or we're in the valley struggling we say thank you lord We rejoice in you because we get to live an abundant life in Christ through the Lordship of Jesus and we surrender under you. Let me pray for us. God, we are amazed by your commitment to us, by your faithfulness and by your good news and by your goodness and by your love, God, that you commit your life, you've committed your life unto death, to the cross, to dying so that we can have life and have it in full and abundance. What great joy it is to live in this world. Not because this world is good, but because you are good and that we have you in the midst in this chaotic world. That you are with us. That we get to rejoice in knowing you, not by ourselves, but in community with your people. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for your writings. We thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that they've gone through and they're continuing to, they were going through some hardship, things that we have experienced, things that we will experience, things that we will learn from, God. And hopefully, God, through the writings, God, that things that we'll learn so that we can prevent things from happening that are not healthy. Help us to be a people that are healthy, that are, that are living lives of abundance because we are walking in alignment with you, with your word, with your truth, with who you are, with what you've called us to do and how to live. God, we thank you that you make it clear and simple, not easy, but clear and simple on what it means to live in a life that's abundant in you. God, will you be with us? Will you empower us? Will you strengthen us as we live a life pursuing you under your lordship. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m., and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at storycitychurch.com. Go and be the church.